is Alex Handloff. I'm the Collaborative Communications Manager at Mountain Studies Institute in Durango, Colorado. Welcome to this episode of The Dirt and Dust. In this episode, I'm at the Christ in the Desert Monastery near Abiquiu, New Mexico. It's 3.55 a.m., and I'm incredibly tired. The bell ringing indicates that it's time for vigils, the first prayer of the day. Once again, I'm capturing a story in the 232 partnership landscape. The 232, of course, focuses on forest and watershed health, but those goals reach further than you'd expect, leading me here to a Benedictine monastery at a time when normally I'd be dreaming of hamburgers. I'm here because I want to know how the monks at the monastery, people dedicated to a very particular piece of land, see themselves in the broader landscape. I'm also here because of the 232's largest project, the Rio Chama Collaborative Forest Landscape Restoration Project, which is part of a congressionally approved program that aims to increase the resiliency of forests and watersheds across the U.S. The monastery lies on the Rio Chama. While it's easy to focus on the river itself, the water within is the manifestation of a whole ecosystem of forests, valleys, mountains, wildlife, and people. It is a window into the watershed. Maybe it's the front door. Before I can learn from the monks, though, I decide to learn how the monks live. That starts with prayer at 4 a.m. sharp and lasts for one hour. Afterwards, there's the lauds, more prayer from 5.30 to 6 a.m., then mass starts at 6.15 a.m., followed by breakfast. After that, I have a brief break to explore the monastery before the next prayer. I amble around the grounds, respecting the silence that the incredible architecture encourages, designed by famous designer and woodworker George Nakashima, and built in 1964. The rust-colored adobe exterior blends into the peaks and pinnacles of sandstone that line the Rio Chama. The abbey itself is simple yet inviting, angular yet warm, modern yet reminiscent of a romantic past. In a serendipitous turn of events, George Nakashima's daughter, Mira, an accomplished artist in her own right, happens to be another guest. Serendipitous timing indeed, though I start to wonder if that's just life here at the monastery. And then, what do you know? It's time to pray again at 8.45 a.m. Eventually, there's time to meander through the monastery's surroundings with Brother Bede Bissonnet, the person I came here to see. We walk north, following the Rio Chama upstream, though we're a few hundred feet from the river itself. Snaking through trees and bushes, sneaking glances at the impressive sandstone cliffs. Brother Bede is dressed in all black robes with a long beard and Tiva sandals. He's intentional, not only in the words he chooses, but also in his stride through the brush. 
I imagine that he is intentional in everything he does. Brother Beat is responsible for many of the monastery's environmental and scientific endeavors. Part of, part of the monastic life as Benedictines includes a vow of stability of place. And that stability of place uh, is geographical. So it's to the particular house. Yeah. And so our concern with the place is, is rooted within our spirituality. And the place doesn't exist as, as just a point. It's part of a much wider landscape. From, from our perspective, it's a particular expression of the universal church. And so we can't limit ourselves just to what's happening here. Yeah. It's what happens here is part of that, that grander expression. Yeah. So the entire Chama watershed is all parts of, of that local particular stability of place which we get to work with. At the very least, all Benedictines are going to be thinking about how does my particular place play out as part of our spiritual life. And Christ in the Deserts provided me personally with the opportunity to look at the physical realities as part of that expression. And the, the, the biggest concern here, in your eyes, is the water? It's a truism to say that water is life. Yes. But for, for us, uh, the reason for this, this focus on water is because we're uniquely adapted to be attentive to it. The proximity and the stretch of river and the surrounding landscape makes looking at water from a, a civil engineering and a water management standpoint really stand out. The Rio Chama headwaters start in the mountains of northern New Mexico and southern Colorado. There are several dams and reservoirs along its path. The monastery sits between two of those reservoirs, which, as Brother B describes, limits the variables for asking and exploring scientific inquiries. Where did you grow up, anyway? So, uh, all over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my father is French-Canadian, my mother is Seychellois. Yep. And so, we were in New Hampshire, the Seychelles, uh, California, uh, Australia. So, we, we were... We were frequent travelers. Did that moving around, you think, contribute to your your Desire wondering? for stability of place? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into that in a minute, I think. Yes. <laughs> we're interrupted by the distant chatter at the leather workshop. Alex, this is Petey. Oh, this was the, the Petey that you talked about. Hey, Petey. Daniel, Leona, and Yvette. This is Brother B, as you know, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm Alex. So I'm here to learn 
from the local master here, Brother Bede. <laughs> I, I wouldn't yeah. say master. <laughs> On your master way, then. Bug <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Alex, this is the leather studio. I was just showing these guys. I'm working on a, a bag for a woman who's coming in as a guest this week. That looks amazing. Rosie Verdile is in charge of the workshop and has been for quite some time. She's the artist in residence at the monastery and has been learning and teaching crafts to the brothers. She started camping nearby in the National Forest in 1993 and helping the monastery and was then invited to stay at the monastery in 1997, invited by the Lady of the Desert Benedictine Sisters, who are no longer there. All told, she's been living at the monastery grounds for 25 years, a kind, warm, and welcoming presence in the desert. What was the decision to be, to be a monk, to stay a monk, to, to want this life? So, uh, without getting into to specifics, uh, I, I think that the, uh, we, we'll call it the three-part three theory of vocation applies. So, uh, a vocation for, for anyone is, do you find the life attractive? Can you live the life? And do the people who live the life want to live it with you? And so if you can say yes to all three of those, then you've, you've got something which you can live out as, as a vocation. Yeah. And so uh, it's not looking for the perfect set of circumstances. It's looking for the circumstances which will allow your particular vocation to play out. And that's going to include difficulties and, and, and struggles, but... But it works for you. It's a very particular and local expression which only you, you, can, you can do. Yeah. Wow, I wish my high school advisor would have said something like that. I would have figured things out faster. Yet, I wonder if there is a figuring it out. Maybe it's a challenge without a solution. Maybe the answer is acceptance and growth. Learning and relentlessly striving for more while understanding limitations. That ideal, that uh, spirituality also manifests in the, in the physical work that you're doing. It seems really connected the way you're describing it to me. So uh, the Benedictines have, have a motto of ora et labora. So work and prayer, not work or prayer. Yeah. The, the two are, in a, in a sense, inseparable. The, the work which is done in the choir is directly linked to the work done on the land. They're, they're both expressions of the, the same ideal. Yeah. How long have you been here? I entered in 2013, so... Ten years. Just, is there any sort just, of celebratory thing for time here? Um, it's acknowledged. Well, that's good, right? <laughs> but uh, it's not like we get a, a long service award and a plaque. No. Uh, which wouldn't be particularly useful. You don't feel like you need that? It's, it's not that we don't need it, but it's, it's, not, it's, it's not necessary. Yeah. No, the participation <laughs> award. I just ran a race and got 57th place, but I still got a medal. Well, it's, <laughs> it's an acknowledgement that you did something. Yes. But uh, that, that acknowledgement doesn't need to be 
a certificate. It can just be an, an internal. Yeah. Uh, comparatively, I, I haven't even completed a full solar cycle. And uh, how long is that? So, so those are about 11 years. 11 years. Approximately every 11 years, the magnetic poles of the sun switch. The north becomes south, the south becomes north. What an interesting way to measure time. Even rooted in place, even on our walk, we bask in the sun, unknowingly feeling its ticking clock. Do you, like, how well do you feel like you know this area? You were telling me yesterday that you, most of the time you're here, you can get away for a little bit, but it's not, most of your knowing and experiences is close to the monastery. I, I, I feel comfortable enough to, to offer opinions if, when, when <laughs> asked, but at the same time, there's just so much which I, which I don't know. And there's always, always more. Uh, we, we can go from one abyss into the next, uh, the closer we look at any particular thing. Have other brothers been as interested as you in the, the landscape, the water, the connection to forests and, and, and on, beyond the borders of the monastery? Or is so, that something you're sort of uniquely skilled at doing? Uh, for, the, for the present brotherhood, I, I'm not going to say particular, uh, particularly skilled, but it's one of the things wh which I'm doing which others are not. Okay. Uh, I think you're being modest. I think you're particularly skilled from what I've seen. Um, I, I'm sure I can find, uh, uh, just, just within the 2-3-2 two, two partnership, people who can answer the, those particular questions with much better skill and knowledge than I can provide. But you're also, from what I've, there's so many projects that you're doing. It seems that you're quite ambitious and motivated and resourceful. I do need more time. Uh, there's, there's lots of questions which I would like answered, which I don't have the time to answer myself. What's the biggest one you think? The ice. The ice. I, I think that's the biggest missing part of, of the local data for the success of all of the, the good work which is being done by Trout Unlimited, the Forest Service, the Bureau of Reclamation, and all of this work on, on habitat development is, is being thwarted in the, the managed stretch because not enough water is reserved for the winter releases. And the uh, time and tools to answer those questions are, are something which, which I don't have right now. This may be a good time to explain the Rio Chama Collaborative Forest Landscape Restoration Project, or the Rio Chama CFLRP. It's a 10-year project that's just begun. It's the second year. One major objective is monitoring, which aims to understand conditions and how they change based on our actions. That is why the monastery and Brother Bede's work is so important. Asking questions about the conditions to paint a picture of the entire Rio Chama watershed. In fact, Brother Bede is working with Cody Dems from the Forest Stewards Guild who wrote the Rio Chama CFLRP monitoring plan and works with the 232. One of the things which uh, Cody and I are working on is getting flow monitoring on our first, second, and third order streams. Yeah. Which in New Mexico are under monitored and, and understudied. 
Yeah, isn't it like every eight years or something that they come around to measure anything? Yeah, that, that's only really on the third order, the first and second order. They don't do it, yeah. There's, there's nothing. Uh, everyone in New Mexico knows the word arroyo. Yeah. And knows that they flow, but how much, how much water is flowing through them? How are these systems inter, interplaying with the larger watershed? And we, we don't have a lot of, of data. Well, I find it interesting and also uplifting the dedication and appreciation of local spaces, of the immediate and the near. Do, do you feel like that is, am I making stuff up here? Is that really something that you feel like? So uh, there, there are, there's, there's going to be uh, grand, big questions which we can struggle with and we, we can engage with, but all of, all of those particular uh, macro, macrocosmic uh, experiences have, have to be pr- played out in, in, your, in the local microcosm. It's, it, it's, it can't be done any other way. Part of it is that awareness that you, you are here in a place and a time and not an, another place and another time. So uh, it, it might be fun to speculate about uh, other places and, and other times, but it's just going to be speculative. But there is a sense of agency yeah. in, like, you can change your place. You can <laughs> move places and things like that. Uh, just as we're, we're lock, walking along, we're, we're, we're moving, but yeah. we're also staying centered in, in the place where, where you are. Uh, stability isn't something which, which is passive. Stability is, is like a gyroscope. You need to put energy in or it will topple over. Or, as I, I've liked to joke, uh, if you have the stability of, of a rock in the Chama, you will end up washed out into Abiquiu Reservoir. You won't be here. Yeah. Just like what Abbot Christian was saying, peace isn't just the absence of war. There's, you gotta put more work into it. Th- that's right. So the stability is similar. It's not just the absence of instability. It's, you gotta work. And the constructive process is is part of it the place where we're stable hopefully will be fruitful and cultivated by our presence not degraded yeah and so that that requires attention to, to many things also an acknowledgement that there's so much which we can't control and we don't know so we need to accept all of it, not just try to, to fit it to our vision, but to make sure that our vision and, and what's there are, are in harmony. Do you think if you were not a monk and you were living somewhere, would you still feel like you have this, this sense of of action on your local scale? Would I still be interested if I was outside of the monastery? Probably, but my ability to, to turn that into action would, would be far more limited. Yeah. 
And that's speculative, which yeah. we shouldn't be doing. Well, we can, we can speculate a little bit. Yeah. Um, prudence is the virtue of reason rightly informed. Yeah. Uh, we, we should uh, exercise our virtues. Not, not, just, not just faith. There are, there are more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a fan of prudence. Brother B just can't help himself. Wisdom just spills out of him like a garden fountain. I feel like we could keep going forever, marching up the river, but the bells begin to ring. The rain falls, and our conversation must be put on hold. Tis not the end of our talk, however, and we will hear from Brother Bede again. For now, I enter the abbey, ponder the stability of place, and how that can inform the 232 and even my work, my life, and my surroundings. Knowing that stability, well, stability takes work. To do good on this land is not just the absence of our impact, but working to make our impact good. My name is Alex Hanlon. To know this space is to spend a lifetime. Join me next time on The Dirt and Dust. To learn more, head to 232partnership.org.